And now, a word from our sponsors. This week, the podcast is sponsored by McCain's Fries, because without them, we'd just be some guys in a room talking. Well, that's what we still are, but we have a gimmick, so it makes us seem less lonely. Anyway, McCain's is a family-operated company helping supply us and many others with, as they say, farm-to-fork-ready food that's all natural and all nutritious. So thanks to McCain's for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. And now, another word from our sponsors. Have you wanted to travel, go places, become so cultured that you can rub it into your friends' faces, and about how beautiful Vanuatu's beaches are, and how it rains all the time in Scotland? Anyway, this week's episode is brought to you by Trivago. Need to find a hotel, B&B, motel? Then use Trivago to search hundreds of travel websites to find you the best deal and location. So hotel, Trivago. Thanks to Trivago for helping us out and sponsoring this episode of the podcast and allowing us to travel. Hello and welcome to the Guys Eating Fries podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Gill, and, to- and today we'll be talking about international development and the United Nations. And I'll be joined by my co-host, Jonathan Odrowski. Hello. And my special guest, Wayne Gill. Hello. So, uh... Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to us and give us some context as to why you're here, Wayne? Well, uh, basically, I uh, am, uh, I guess, uh, a bit of a uh, bit experience in uh, international development. Uh, I would say probably maybe 30 years or thereabouts. I started international development when international development really wasn't even a, a career path. So um, I... I uh, ventured into it because uh, I was a bit uh, um, bored, I guess, with the uh, 9 to 5 scene here in southern Ontario and wanted to uh, uh, think, hopefully, that there was something beyond this uh, sort of mundane uh, treadmill uh, rat race that uh, I found myself in at the time. That's really cool. And I actually know nothing about the UN. I know Jacob knows a little bit because he's your son, but I absolutely know nothing, so I'm really excited to know what happens here. So let's get right into why you're here and ask some questions. All right. Well, um, I think we'll get into the questions here. So, okay. why did, um, you know, you start working for the UN? Like, what led you to wanting to um, work for them? And, you know, why was Africa ultimately the place that you decided to work from? Well, I guess a bit of a backstory there. Uh, like I said, I was a bit disillusioned with uh, life here uh, when I was in my 20s and uh, wondered what else was out there. So I had the opportunity, well, we started to look around, uh, my wife Barbara and I, for opportunities to go overseas, but there was very limited uh, options back then. You're either sort of a, a Peace Corps type of a person or uh, um, a volunteer uh, within Canada, the World University Services used to place people out there, but it was very limited. There wasn't, really wasn't much to uh, to look for. But then uh, there was a, a small uh, NGO or not-for-profit organization that came around to our church one day when we were uh, um, working with the uh, 
uh, young people, and uh, and really it was for the young people uh, to to give them options for going overseas. And uh, when the uh, people asked, uh, you know, that were leading the uh, the talk, if anybody was interested in going overseas, it was uh, my wife and I that put up our hands and said, "Yeah, hey, we're really interested in this." Not so much the young people, but uh, so we ended up uh, looking and uh, had the opportunity to go to Sudan, and we lived in. Sudan in a in a grass hut uh, wow. with no running water, yeah. no electricity for uh, almost a year, uh, 300 kilometers west of Khartoum, and I really did uh, small scale community health, which was uh, hand dug wells, uh, making sure people had water, uh, small market gardens, and uh, we helped run a vac vaccination program with UNICEF, which was the uh, the UN agency uh, for uh, children. So we helped. that was my first introduction to the UN at that time. And I wasn't with the UN, but uh, that's when we started to find out about a little, little bit more about what the UN did. So I think, you know, from that time, the UN was sort of this far off and distant, you know, uh, uh, sort of goal to reach and to, you know, one day maybe work for the best international development agency in the world, which would be the UN at that time. But I was miles away uh, from that at that point. That's really cool. So you hadn't joined the UN yet? No, no, really. That was uh, the international development world and just sort of looking at what was uh, what was available at that time. And that's sort of where you started looking and going, hey, this is probably what I want to do yeah. for the rest of my life. Yeah, it was kind of funny because uh, when uh, I was there uh, in the in the desert, uh, you know, we really we lost thirty pounds within uh, you know the first three months. Um, you know, most people would think you know that that would have turned us off from yeah. doing anything like that in the future, but it had the opposite effect. And oh. uh, when we came back to Canada, we didn't want to go back to our old jobs again. We wanted to go into international uh, development, so we ended up working for an NGO uh, in Stouffville for five years. Um, and That's great. Uh, yeah, as a as a nonprofit. Yeah. So yeah. then you, after a while there, you did join the UN and. Yeah, back to Africa as well, right? For yeah, that's right. Yeah, what happened was we we went, were with that NGO for five years, and then there was a drought in Southern Africa. Oh, and we went and uh, managed a drought relief program, basically feeding five hundred thousand people mm. for this NGO. Um, and then uh, and then after that, we um, were offered a job with the World Food Program, which was the UN's division okay. for food distribution. So anytime you see a disaster or a drought, it's usually WFP. You'll see the free food. You'll see that on the bags of food. Mm. That's who I work for. And I worked for them for three years. So that was my introduction to the UN. That was That's my great. first work with the UN yeah. at that point. And so which area of Africa were you working with there? Yeah, so that was in, when I first worked with the uh, WFP, that was in Malawi. So that was in southern Africa, east and southern Africa, basically. Uh, it's called the warm heart of Africa. And we went there for nine months and ended up staying there for uh, almost ten years altogether. <laughs> yeah, it's been a yeah. long time, a lot of time overseas. Yeah, yeah. And, and we loved it. Uh, yeah. We really liked Africa. We, were, we gravitated to the, the people and, uh, and the climate was pretty good too. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. So what uh, was different from the people there than here in Canada? I think the difference is that uh, the, the focus there is more on, is more relational, whereas here it's more on, achie it's achievement based. So here you, okay. know, you tend to go to bed at the end of the day and, and you think, well, I had a good day today and I got all of these things done. Whereas in Africa, Africans, I think, go to bed and they think more like, hey, who did I meet today? Oh, I talked to this person, talked to that person. 
and really, you know, when it's all said and done, it's the relationships that are most important in our lives. So yeah, I think, and I can agree to that too, is because uh, you know I grew up there for ten years, so uh, I can agree to that. Is that I remember uh, just meeting you know random kids uh, in the neighborhood and just beginning becoming friends with them and hanging out with um, a bunch of different people, and even when we went back uh, to Africa in last May mm-hmm. to um, uh, do some work for your PhD, we. Uh, we were out on a Saturday driving and uh, there was just a bunch of people out, families and just yeah. like everyone was out. It didn't seem like they were going to work or, you know, they just wanted to have a day with the family. And I think that's yeah. what's different than it is over here is over here. It's more achievement based and work. And mm-hmm. over yeah. there it's very much as yeah. it's more about, you know, enjoying your life. I think yeah. that's a main difference. So as well. would you say it's a lot easier to meet new people in Africa than it is to meet new people in Canada? Like, is there less social anxiety between people? Yeah, I think so. Like uh, when when you're out for a walk on, uh, you know, in the capital of Malawi, say Lilongwe, or, or you know, in uh, Botswana, in Haroni, or any of those places, and you're out for a walk or you're out for a run or a ride, you always look at the person that's kind of, you know, you're crossing uh, paths with on the sidewalk, and you always look and you always greet them. You always say hello, or you, and then yeah. I, I know, and I, so I would do that for like 11 months of the year, yeah. then we would come back to Canada for a month uh, for our holiday, and I would do the same here in Georgetown. Yeah. And then people kind of look at you weird, like, I don't know you. Why yeah. are you greeting me? Yeah. And, Africa, and, I, and I'd have to stop. I'd have to stop after a while. Yeah. But in Africa, you do that. I mean, yeah. if you don't yeah. do that, it's it's kind yeah. of you know. They're very, they're very very friendly people in Africa. Well. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So, you know, whilst you were, so then uh, you obviously you worked for the UN for uh, quite a long time, mm-hmm. and uh, you know throughout the years you um, um you get your you know you get a higher position, and so. Then whilst you were there, um, you know, what was some of the work that you did? Um, I know, you know, we've talked about um, that, was it mother to child HIV prevention or mm. detection mm-hmm. that you, um, ha- you helped right. work on or you helped the person work on? So can you yeah. tell us about that? Yeah. So basically when uh, I was with World Food Program, like I said initially, one of the things that was lacking for the World Prog- <laughs> Program, for the World Food Program, was to have the ability to be able to target where the food was most needed. So they generally, at that time, would basically, you know, get, say, 14,000 tons of food and send it out there to, you know, 6 million people, almost a little bit, you know, not willy-nilly, but to to a large extent, uh, blanket coverage for food. So what I came up with um, was, and another uh, fella, was the ability to be able to target the food based on the needs of the people and we did that through a a, a system that allowed us to receive information from different communities looking at you know and and uh, things like you know were they selling their chickens and goats because if they were selling chickens and goats which are assets that would be like a vehicle for us Mm -hmm. so if we were selling a vehicle they're selling chickens and goats to buy maize which is corn which is their staple there if we did if we sold our car to buy food that's an indication that there's a food shortage, a serious food shortage in that community. Mm-hmm. So we had this information at Sentinel sites all throughout Malawi coming in on a monthly basis. Okay. That's one part of it that would tell us where the food was most critically needed, right? Mm-hmm. So if we knew mm-hmm. people were selling, if the price of chickens and goats was going down, all right, uh, and the price of maize was going up, 
then boom, that was you know top of the list. We got to get food to this place here. So we set up this system, which ended up being a, a global system that they use, and uh, and it started in, in Malawi. So yeah. that was sort of the first indication. Then what happened was we went into consulting work. Me and another uh, uh, another guy from from WFP and uh, left WFP, started doing our own consulting, and that's when I branched into looking at many different areas. So we looked at agriculture, we looked at justice, and one of the areas we looked at uh, more so was health, and specifically HIV and AIDS, and we ended up doing some uh, work with HIV and AIDS, and that's what led me into working with the, uh, the UN, again, with UN, uh, UN AIDS specifically, which was uh, an arm of the UN that looked at HIV and AIDS, and that was when the epidemic was, uh, you know, it still is critical, yeah. but at that time it was, when it was devastating, it was, you know, uh, it was killing people on a, on a global scale. Uh, that would have been awesome. in uh, early 2000s, 2004, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so that was, uh, that was bad, and that's when I started, and uh, what you were saying, Jake, was that, uh, uh, the prevention of mother-to-child transmission. So it's usually uh, HIV and AIDS is usually sexually uh, transmitted. Yep. But one of the areas too is in if a mother is uh, infected with HIV, that can be passed on to the child. Oh, if she isn't treated with that. So at the time in 2005 when we first went to Botswana, yeah, um, one of the things that uh, I looked at doing uh, was asked to do by the the principal secretary of health was to uh, try do a cost-benefit analysis of whether or not uh, giving the mother a treatment earlier on in her pregnancy would uh, you know reduce the number of children born mm -hmm. HIV positive yeah. so I did a cost-benefit analysis what would it cost you know for that treatment how much yeah. would it be as compared to that child being born and living with HIV and AIDS and the treatment then the child would have to be on for all of the years and the cost, right? Yeah. So anyways, they did that, and that was in 2005. And as a result of that, they uh, increased the treatment, they moved it up a little bit on the pregnancy, and you know, as a result, well, thousands of kids have been saved. So it was really that's nice awesome. to have a, yeah, that's, yeah. a part in, in doing that, right? It seemed like a small thing at the time, but you know, in hindsight, you, you know, it, even if one child gets saved, yeah. it's massive, right? And if, but, you know, even if you and you just figured out, you know, the cost benefits, right? And through mm -hmm. that, that mm -hmm. uh, they ended up, you know, changing what they're doing, and that yeah. ends up um, saving a lot of lives as well through yeah. through that as well. Exactly. Yeah. And unfortunately, you know, when you're doing these policy, uh, you're trying to inform policy so government can change. Policy, they always say, well, what's it going to cost? So you know, it's an unfortunate part. Yeah. Of yeah. the parcel. I mean, why not just do it because you're going to save one one kid, right? Yeah. But uh, you have to do the cost yeah. side of things too, which justified it, which you know yeah. gave the. And I mean, okay to me. yeah, and well, you know, with the cost there is then, you know, they have to, and then if they're going to implement it, they got to implement it like in quite a large scale, so the uh -huh. cost would matter to them. But exactly. In yeah. the end, it's it's a very good thing that ended up happening. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, it was great. So that's when I, and that was when really my first start with UNAIDS, and I ended up staying with UNAIDS then for, what, seven years or so before yeah. coming home. Yeah, so then, you know, um, why did you, why, you know, why did you decide to, you know, you know, resign, quote unquote resign, and yeah. come back to, uh, you know, come back to Canada where, you know, right. my yeah. family yeah. is, so. Yeah, so basically, uh, we, we were in uh, Botswana for five years, and the reason uh, Botswana was kind of the starting place was because it was, at that time, the uh, highest prevalence rate okay. of HIV in the world. 
Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, and uh, so that was, you know, a priority area. And then from there, uh, we went and lived in Johannesburg in South Africa, and Johannesburg was a regional hub. So there um, I, I had uh, uh, responsibility with 22 different countries working mm -hmm. on strategic information and monitoring and uh, evaluation. So I had a chance to visit uh, different countries at that point uh, in the area. Um, but uh, it was during that time that uh, Jacob was just uh, turning, I think, 11 or thereabouts. Yeah, yeah. And so we were thinking, you know, we've been overseas for so long, and all of our family is, you know, in Canada here and, and around uh, this area. So what we thought was, you know, let's let's go back home and uh, give Jacob a chance to get to know the family and get a bit of roots here mm -hmm. in uh, in southern Ontario. And meet some pretty cool friends. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's why we're on the podcast, John. <laughs> so that's what we ended up doing, and uh, yeah, glad that we. We did, and uh, and here we are now. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. yeah. Any more questions, John? Or you know what? That was really awesome. But uh, is there anything you regret going to Africa? Is there anything that you're like, oh, I could have done this better, or anything that you look back on and think, ah, maybe I could have done more in Africa? Yeah. Uh, I don't. I don't really think so. I think we, you know, did so so much there and so many different things. I think. Uh, you know, it's 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 always a, a pull and a tug to go back, uh, and and as as a result, since coming home, you know, I've I've plugged into a, a PhD uh, program, which I hope will wrap up this summer. But also, in addition to that, I've been able to do consulting work That's for awesome, the UN. Yeah. So so it's always nice to be able to go back. I've I've had to go down to Jamaica a couple of times on this consulting work and. Uh, and back to Africa with the PhD, so mm -hmm. so it's always nice uh, going back and yeah. But I I don't, not really. Uh, there's no regrets there for sure. Yeah, I mean we've also we also have friends still from there. And yeah, some of them have moved back and some yeah. of them are still there that we know and keep in touch with. So I think yeah, that's pretty. And yeah. you no, know, still knowing those people, you know, I think it's something that we always have to go back on if we want to go back as well. Yeah, you know, mm -hmm. see those people again. Yeah, it's really absolutely. great to have friends in other countries, especially if you want to come visit or just explore the world again. Yeah, yeah, I know, and there's and it's so much easier now with social media, but yeah. mm -hmm. being able to keep up with what everybody's doing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's a lot easier than writing letters every yeah. week. <laughs> yeah, and getting right. them every few months. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah. yeah. Um, thanks for talking about um, your work with the UN. Yeah. Um, and uh, we'll move on to just uh, seeing you out of here then. Yeah, great. Thanks, guys. Well, thanks for coming on the podcast today, um, Dad. So, um, <laughs> Dad. Yeah, thanks for being a good guest and uh, joining us today. Um, is there anything else you would like to say to anyone? No, thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's fun. It's always funny to uh, look at your career and, and, and how things have gone. And I'd recommend the UN to anyone. Like I said, it wasn't a career path when I first started, but uh, certainly is now. And there's lots of opportunities in international development in so many different areas and, yeah, and fields. So it's a fun, uh, fun career. It, yeah. it wasn't even like work to me. It wasn't a, it wasn't difficult. Yeah. At all. And that's why you did it for it. so long, right? Yeah. So, so, you're, still, so you're still doing it. Yeah. It's, it's great. It's not yeah. a job to you. And that's, you know, that's what work should be. Yep. Um, well, that's, um, that's all from our guest and, um, all from us. Um, we're done with the fries and done with the questions. So, so I think next episode we'll have Alex Honnold, the rock climbing extraordinaire. Yes, he'll be joining us next week for some inform uh, talking about his uh, career and his um, his uh, movie that came out, Free Solo. 
but that's all for us now. So we'll see you on the next week's edition of Guys Eating Fries and Talking About Free Soloing. But till then, thanks for listening, and goodbye. Don't get McDonald's fries. <laughs>